Hello and welcome to Just Another Football Podcast with me, Danny Miller. And this week I am joined by the wonderful Chris Nichols and the wonderful Joey Pollard. How are you boys? Good, thanks mate. Yeah, all good. Good stuff. So we've got a lot to get through today. This is our like uh, half Premier League review and half World Cup preview. So let's crack on. We're going to talk about um, the Premier League to start off with. So let's have a quick recap over what happened at the weekend. Let's pick out some key fixtures uh, to start with. And the first one I want to talk about is the early kickoff on Saturday, which finished Manchester City 1, Brentford 2. Uh, surprise result, Joey? Yeah, to to an extent. Um, not to sound too cliched, but it's said over and over again, that's why the Premier League is the best league in the world. Yeah. Um, you just look at the results that we predicted. I, I had a quick flip back on them. And I think out of the four of us, the least that someone had a winning margin by was four goals. Um, <laughs> Shows how much we know. Yeah, I was the only one who predicted Brentford to score. You, yeah. you three other had clean sheets. Um, and then they go and turn them over. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting result. Um, it wasn't by chance. It was, you know, you know City obviously had all, all the chances. Uh, they're going to create chances with the team that they've got. But I thought that Brentford for played them pretty well. And what I thought slightly was it was almost related to a bit that we talked about last week in terms of Liverpool getting worked out and how to play against them. And, you know, especially that winning goal, it's just a massive sucker punch on it. City were pressing so hard for their winning goal that as soon as um, it was nicked so just ahead of De Bruyne and then they just played it out to the silver on the wing, you know, it was almost inevitable going to be a goal and, yeah, pocket picked, but yeah, incredible result, incredible result in, in a really good game as well. And two more goals for Tony, Chris? Yeah, all, yeah, this being said, so obviously I watched the highlights um, and everybody's all, you know, what? Oh, isn't this a great way to show Gareth Southgate what, what he's missing? No, it's not. I, I Like, yes, he scored two goals, but he missed like four or five, like, serious chances as well during the match. And also, I'm pretty sure that one of his first goal, like the headed goal, either he didn't mean it or get a good connection or it might have even come off the uh, the header of the defender as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought it was an own goal when I first saw it. Yes, his second goal was was well taken. But when, the, when everybody was talking about Southgate watching and thinking, oh, this is what he's missing out on, I don't see it. I just saw a load of missed chances that really a good striker should have taken. I just, I just don't like Ivan Tony as well. I mean, <laughs> he, he, I mean, he's got the whole betting scandal thing going on at the moment. Yeah, exactly. He could exactly. face, you know, he could face a, a, a six month ban. They're saying, you know, I think it was around two hundred and fifty bets that he placed over the course of a certain time. Is that a good look for England to be taking someone that's about to be banned? Probably not. Interesting point that Dan, because I was thinking like. It was an interesting, the fact that it came out like so soon after the squad had been named, mm-hmm. that it was almost as if the FA had leaked to Southgate that, you know, it was going to happen. You yeah. can't really pick him because of everything that's going to happen in the future. But also, the reverse side of that is, if they told him about it, he's then got the perfect excuse to say why he hadn't picked him. I wonder how how long before that they knew that it was going to be leaked. I wonder if that played into Southgate's mind while picking the squad. Personally, I think we talked about it last week, like I'm not taking him to the World Cup over the players that he's picked. So uh, it's a bit of a weird one. I agree with that. And, you know, what I was just saying about Ivan Tony there, if, if you score two goals at, you know, the Etihad, 
it's fair play. And you've got to be getting yourself in those positions yeah. to be scoring that, which is which is fair enough. But I I completely agree. I'd never have been taking him. Um, he's obviously like a you know a decent Premier League striker, but there are quite a few relatively decent Premier League English strikers who also missed out on the World Cup. And yeah, he's just he's just one of them. I, I struggle sometimes with footballers when they make decisions like this and the advice that they're getting and how they're generally acting. Like it's not as if he's just kind of lumped a tenner on himself to score the first goal at some point or said there's going to be a throw in within the first minute of the game and he's he's knocked it out. 232 bets, 232 charges. At, at what point do you not get to the stage where you go, this is probably not a good idea? And I'm wondering if that's kind of a, a consequence of how his career has panned out. You know, he was at Newcastle and never really got his break, and then he's had to drop down to kind of build himself up. So he's never really been in the limelight. Maybe habitual betting at, at lower league level is something that's kind of not brushed under the carpet by any means, but because of it's not in it's not in your face, it's not a highlight, it's not a Premier League player, and he's just carried it on. But yeah, I, I would say that the we don't know at the moment what he's bet on. We don't know. Um, if any of the bets are on him, which I think changes this story and makes it much bigger than what it... I mean, it's a big story already, but if he's started betting on himself or games he's been playing in, then we're talking about something completely different. Um, And I think there's more of this story to come out. But getting back to the football, obviously that result has opened the door for um, Arsenal. They won at the weekend. They... uh, uh, flying high top of the Premier League, I think at the weekend solidified themselves as real title contenders. And I think before I'd been a bit like, oh, it's Arsenal. Do you know what I mean? But I really think they ground out that result against Wolves. It was a really, really tough game. I said on at the on the podcast last week that it's a difficult place for Arsenal to go. Yeah, I think Joe... Joe talked about it last week, saying that Odegaard is finally becoming the player that they bought and, you know, that he was obviously hyped up to be when he was a 16-year-old playing at Madrid. So he's definitely right up up there. Even last season, I thought he was was chiming in with some amazing chances and assists and everything like that and really does look like a quality player. Um, So I think he's definitely right up there. Saka as well. I'm obviously so made up. Saka's going to the to the World Cup. I think he's a he's a brilliant young English English player, and for somebody to obviously have the missing penalty as well when he did um, in the Euros, he's done such a good job to pick himself back up again and just crack on. He's just he's scoring goals, charming him with assists. He's a nightmare to play against. Um, yeah, I think that they're just looking like a really good team. And Wolves are a, they're a tricky opposition to play against, even though I know they're down there in amongst you know the bottom lot. But they're a resolute team and they're tough to play against. And you know, like you said, they had to they really had to grind up that result there, Arsenal. For so many seasons now, we've seen them as um, very inconsistent, um, and finally, they're and, and a team that would lose against those lower. T- teams in the division whether that is you know anything from 10th down but now they're finally starting to put these like runs together of games I mean one loss this season um and just and playing really well as well Joe I don't know I feel like they're almost being given a a discredit at the moment in terms of 
if you look at the table, they, they played the same amount of games as City and, and they're five points above them. Now, go back over the last two, three, four, five seasons, if at this stage Liverpool and City were like that, Liverpool played 14, City played 14 and Liverpool five points clear, I guarantee the chat would be all about City having to try and catch Liverpool and where Liverpool are going to slip up, etc., etc. And the, because of the way Arsenal have been over the last few years, that's that's not there. Which it may well work in their favour. It's almost a, it's almost a free hit. Um, Champions League football for them this year, I think, was probably their aim. I think if Arteta was given a task at the beginning of the season, it's like get us back in the Champions League. You know, get us that revenue back again. Then the counterbalance of that is, are they only top of the league because they're not playing in European football at, at that level? Um, you just don't know. You don't know how it's all balanced out. But yeah, I think at, at the moment, mate, they, they touch on many points that, that Chris did. You know, they, they're young. I was listening to the, the to the commentary on the radio of their game um, last week because uh, he played late, didn't he? So I was, I was at work and had it on the radio, and they were saying that. They had in the in the in that starting eleven thing. They had Chaku's thirty, and then twenty nine. Maybe Party. His Party about twenty nine. Is that yeah, right? He's one of the then, older members of the squad. Yeah, and then no, no other player in the starting eleven was above twenty five. Yeah, and it's like that's like. And I know look, last season had the youngest starting um, average age for the for the elevens, and it's just like that. That's incredible. Now that youth is going to work one way or the other. They're either going to have so much enthusiasm they'll just crack on. Or they will have a, a burnout and a little bit of a spell, but yeah, I don't think, mate. I do. It's a bit skewed, you know. Everyone talking about them being top at Christmas because we know that's a, a, a slightly skewed statistic because of obviously we're having now a six-week break before we come back on Boxing Day. But yeah, I, they've got to be taken seriously, mate. And I think it's going to be a very, very interesting uh, comeback after that if they can get all their players back unscathed from the World Cup and go from there. It's going to be incredible. Yeah. What do they say? You'll never win out with kids. So yeah. <laughs> we'll, see what, we'll see what happens in the in the new year. Uh, one more result that um, two of us will want to touch on, maybe not Chris so much, is um, the result that leaves Everton 17th in the table. One win in their last five, a 3-0 loss away at Bournemouth. Uh, Chris, you said in the group chat this week that we could do a full hour podcast on Everton. Um, please try and keep it to at least half that so I can edit it down. Um, but tell, tell us, what, what what is going on? What is going on at Goodison? I just think there's like, it's almost like there's like a cancer in there and it doesn't matter what players are playing, what manager is, is managing the team. It's something so deeply rooted, you can't quite put your finger on it. Um, I think you saw like you saw it yourself at Newcastle a couple of seasons ago when there was a lot of yo-yoing going on. There was issues with the ownership of the club, um, and it was just all over the place. I think there's a very similar thing at Everton at the minute in that we've got quite a eccentric owner who doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, for whatever reason, we signed a few mercenaries and and, and what have you who. You know, when we when we were under Moyes, we had very much the people's club ethic, and the players were very much a team and one unit. And that leaked then into you know some of the Martinez days, but he just wasn't as good of a manager, I don't think, in the long run. But it hasn't been like that for years, Chris. Like, I, I, like when I used to go like when I was at uni, just go to the odd game, like um, you know when the, you guys were in the Europa League and stuff. And I've been back recently, and that 
atmosphere is just not there. That, no, it's, like the it's, feeling around the club is not there. The fans, I feel like, are at their wits' end. Oh, we are absolutely. I am. Um, I'm going to like. I used to get angry if if we play the match and we'd we'd lose a game or what have you. You'd get you know. Obviously, there's matches where you lose and you know you're just the losing team. The other side is better. But there's games where you'll watch and you'll feel like cheated out of a result or what have you, and you'd pay a lot more credence to the result. Whereas at the minute, I just go into every single Everton game expecting to lose and have done for a while. And then when we do, you're just kind of like, eh, yeah, of course. Um, which isn't a nice feeling at all. It, it's really hard to get excited for matches. You know, when we, when we recorded the podcast last week, I didn't even... I'd forgotten that we were playing Bournemouth in the cup that night. Um, and I'm kind of glad that I had forgot because I didn't end up watching it in the end. I, I think after we finished the podcast, we were already 2-0 down. And I just thought, of course we are. Of course. And then the fact that we didn't learn any of those mistakes. We lost 7-1 on aggregate in four days to Bournemouth. It's not sustainable. And I think the World Cup break has come at a really good time for Everton because... It gives Lampard a time to regroup. I don't think many of your players are going away. Not many, no. I was, I was actually surprised Cody got into the England squad. I think Cody's, you know, I think he's had a good season up to maybe the last couple of games. Um, but I was a bit surprised by that. Like they're they're on a break at the minute in um, Bondi Beach in Australia, all training there. Oh, so have they stayed together? Yeah, the whole team have stayed together. They're doing like a tour in Australia. They're doing a tour in Australia. I don't know what good it'll do them, and they definitely don't deserve a treat going to Australia. I tell you, but <laughs> should be going to like the middle of Wales or something. Yeah, the- they should be. They should be going to Hull and just training <laughs> in the rain. <laughs> Hate them, but yeah, it's 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 also like like I, I I've been joking about partly joking keep saying like I hate us I hate us and there is like that you know I think um I can't remember whether it was one of you guys or somebody else but you were showing me um I think after the Bournemouth game Iwobi like you know goes over they go over to the the uh, the away fans and Iwobi threw his shirt out into the crowd and one of them threw it back <laughs> and that's that's where we're at with with all the and Iwobi's been one of our better players this season, yeah. which also says something. Yeah, because Iwobi's been on that shite. garbage. He's garbage, and he's been our one of our best players. So there's there is something so rotten to the core that needs dealing with, and I think it goes just far beyond the the, the eleven players on and the manager on the field. I really do. Do I don't know how it gets solved. I don't know what happens, but. It's like there's a cancer there and it just hasn't been identified yet. All right, let's move on to our team of the season so far. So what we're going to do is we're all going to say a position and then we're going to kind of agree for our Just Another Football podcast team of the season. Okay, so I'm going to kick off in goal. Uh, So we're going to kind of, we'll do a four... Like a four four two, shall we say four four two formation? Okay, I've got four four three three on mine. Okay, we'll <laughs> see. You if might we be can able, shoe- you might be able to one of my attackers back. Yeah, yeah, we can we can shoehorn people in. Um, so I'm going to kick us off and in goal for my half team of the season so far. Uh, I'm going to go for Ramsdale. Um, probably uh, he was up against Pope. 
same number of clean sheets, but Arsenal top of the league. So I'm going to go for Ramsdale. Uh, Alison Becker. Um, I think he's, in terms of the fact we've we've not had a particularly good start, some people might say to season, he's been outstanding and he's pulled off some superb saves. And I, I won't go so far as to say I think he's the best goalkeeper in the world, but I think in terms of pure shot-stopping, He's he's outstanding and yeah I'll go for Allison plus his distribution you know he's, he's set up another goal already this year and I think he's got four goal four assists in the last two seasons which is pretty decent for a keeper. Okay, Chris, I'm going with you, Ramsdale. Well, that one picks itself, Ramsdale. <laughs> I'm I'm disappointed no one's picked Pope. How are we, lads? Let's sort this Pope, out. Uh, yeah, Pope's he's he's not a bad keeper, but I. Like, especially when you're looking at the England team, he's he's definitely behind both Pickford and Ramsdale for me. Interesting. I, what I would say um, about both of those geek goalkeepers having this conversation yesterday um, is that they, uh, and one of the reasons I haven't gone for Pope and goal is because the back four in front of them are so good. Um, but saying that, against Chelsea on Saturday, Pope had one save to make in the whole game. He made it. It was a great save from a Conor Gallagher shot. For the rest of the time, he's just sat on his haunches, you know, and that's what good goalkeepers do. They don't do yeah. anything for nine for eighty nine minutes, and then that one minute that you need them, they do something excellent. But I think Ramsdale for me um, is 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 the boy. Yeah, I think Ramsdale deserves some credit as well because similarly to saying about Pope, reverse it, he was playing in a Bournemouth team that were you know shipping goals left, right, and centre. Sheffield um, United as well. Yeah, and the, the the goalkeeper therefore gets like not battered by any means, but you know, yes, he's the last line of defence, but also get a whole load of practice. So to see Ramsdale then go into a a good side, so to say, yeah, it's been interesting that he's actually kicked on and, and improved his own game. Uh, so you're right back then, Joey. Uh, ben White, I've gone for um, slightly out of position for what he would probably class himself as, but. Uh, he's been playing at right back more than he's been playing at centre back this season. And looking at the England squad as well, I think he's definitely been taken with a right hand sided berth in mind. Um, he, he, I felt a bit sorry for him, um, as much as you can feel sorry for someone who gets bought for fifty million quid, just because it was everyone was talking about fifty million for Ben White, bloody bloody blah, blah, blah. You know, there's that extra pressure um, in the context of uh, this transfer market and how. F- fees are now I think he's looking every much to 50 million pound defender yeah I would I would agree with that um I'm gonna go for Kieran Trippier at right back um uh I'm gonna say something that's gonna be fairly controversial I would say um and I don't think either of you will agree with me but that's what this whole podcast is about and about and what football is all about but I cannot think of a signing in the prem- in Premier League history that has been as transformative for a football club as Kieran Trippier has for Newcastle United. I will qualify that by saying that he was the first person to believe in the project. £12 million he cost. And he, this season, obviously he played like five or six games last season, was unbelievable, scored that brilliant free kick against Everton. Um which, you know, obviously makes it all the sweeter when we're scoring against Everton. Um, but the um, the way that he's played this season has been unbelievable. Uh, for me, he walks into my team this season. I'm going to push very, very hard for Gear and Trippier here. Okay, I'll just, uh, just before Chris names his, because this gets related in, only because he can play there, I've actually picked Trippier at left-back 
in my team. Um, so he is in there um, just to shape up my back four. I had to put him on the left-hand side. But just to carry on what you were saying there, Dan, and I think you were at this game as well, um, went to watch Tranmere, uh, Newcastle in the League Cup, and Trippier came on a sub, didn't he, uh, partway through the first yeah. half. Um, and again, I know it was against League 2 opposition and it's the Carabao Cup, which is the least desirable of all the cup competitions. But yeah, I've never seen anyone control the game from fullback as much as he did. He basically, yeah, he, w- he was running the whole game from where he was. And having watched him live, I kind of got a- another appreciation for him as a, as a footballer. Um, he-, he, was- he was excellent. So, yeah. So, yeah, just before we move on to Chris's right back trip, he was my left back. And, and just again, just before Chris, I just want to say that I always thought Kieran Trippier was a good player, you know, when he was at Spurs and Atletico. I didn't know he was this good. I didn't know he was this good. And uh, he's 32. He's getting on, but he's still got a few years left in him. Um, and uh, I just absolutely cannot wait to see where he is and what team he's playing in two years because he deserves to be playing in a team that is fighting for championships, fighting for trophies and things like that. Yeah, for me, it was a toss-up between Reese James and Kieran Trippier. Having just discussed him, I'm probably going to lean towards Trippier. I love Reese James as a player, though. I think he's great. Obviously, he's been out injured recently. Um, but yeah, Trippier, it's, it's, I, I was a bit surprised, and I didn't realise he's 32, like you just said. He's clearly a late bloomer then, because he's always been a good player, but... Yeah, knowing he's that late in it, well, I say late in his career, as in, you know, knowing he's no spring chicken is a bit of a surprise to me. But I'd probably, yeah, I'd probably say go with Trippier then. We'll stay with you then, Chris. Your first centre-back. My first centre-back. I think I'm going to go with uh, Gabriel uh, at Arsenal. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's he, he, he chimes in with a couple of headers as well from corners. He's a danger going forward like that. Um, I think he had a tricky season last year and he's kind of like a solid rock at the back at the minute as well. Um, I, I forget that I'm pronouncing it. Is it Saliba as well? Saliba, there, yeah. there, there. He's a really good player as well. And I think the two he's of them my are working. Pick. Oh, he's your uh, pick. I'm, is he I'm behind as well. He's oh, yeah. Can we just go with with the Arsenal centre back duo? <laughs> I, um, I really like Gabriel. Yeah, who's your second one, Joey? Just out of interest. Uh, as much as it pains me, just purely for the fact that I thought it was a lunatic signing to sign a five foot eight centre half, um, and he's at United, at Manchester United. But yeah, I've gone for Martinez as my other one. I think he's he's just been excellent, and I think. Going into that United back four, as they were, you know, they were kind of a, a bit of a laughing stock um, in terms of, you know, Maguire's always going to be a bit of a cartoon character at the moment. Uh, Varane, kind of, as classy as Varane is, there was always that question mark as to, well, why did Real Madrid let him go? Um, and then Lindelof, again, he, he's been steady enough, but, you know, I think Martinez going into that back four, a bit a bit like Van Dijk did for, for Liverpool, not only is he an outstanding player, but he's brought the, the whole of the, the back four up, up a level and they all play very differently. So, yeah, like I say, as much as it pains me because he's a a red and a Manchester red, uh, Martinez was my other centre-half pick. Do, do you think, going back to um, Saliba, obviously if Saliba's your choice, do you think that Saliba has brought the, brought the best out in uh, Gabriel? 
I think someone playing playing alongside someone as classy as his, then it, it's great. The, the most surprising thing, obviously, about Saliba is his age. You know, mm. um, you talk about the positions that are, it's the, the supposed mature positions on the pitch. You very rarely get very young starting goalkeepers uh, or young starting centre halves, and you know to have him there in the age that he is and the way he's playing. Um, I think Arteta's like got it absolutely down. You know, he's back four. If you look at it now with, with the way it is, with White, Saliba, yeah, Gabriel, and, and then uh, Zinchenko. Um, I, I don't think you're getting better than that in, in the league at the moment. I'm happy to go with the Arsenal too as our as our picks, um, but I would be remiss not to mention um, Sven Bolton. Here he goes, here he goes, Dan Burn. To be fair, Dan Burn's a good, Dan Burn's a good shout. Dan Burn's um, like some of his stats this season are really good, aren't they? Yeah, I, I, he's probably my left back pick, but I think okay. for me, Sven Botman for is is a is a shout for centre back. Martinez was there for me as well. Um, I just think that he had a couple of games when he first came. I know this is harsh. But he had a couple of games when he first came in where he was not good. Whereas oh, the, no, I think was, the other two have been consistent. Rubbish. The reason Botman doesn't get in for me as well is because he didn't play at the start of the season. Those two Arsenal players have just been unbelievable. All right then. So our left back situation, I think this is the hardest position on the pitch to pick because I don't feel like there's been any standout left backs in the league this season. I mean, Cancelo has been all right, but he's given away penalties and had red cards this season. This is why I ended up putting Trippier at left back because I essentially did a bit of a Southgate, I suppose, and just picked the whole pool of good fullbacks and then picked out the two which I thought had been best, and they were White and Trippier. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Shaw's done okay when he's played. Um, Cancelo, but Cancelo's been exposed a couple of times as well. I think. Yeah, he's had a, he's had a red, he's had a red card and given away a penalty this season. If memory serves me right, wasn't it was Cancelo that Salah spun, wasn't it, uh, uh, when we oh, yeah, beat yeah, him at yeah, our yeah. place? You know, and that was just a bad defending decision to make when he went in. So, yeah, I agree with you, mate. I think it's a struggle. Who have you gone for? I am going to go for Dan Byrne at left-back. I think, um, despite not being a left-back, like a natural left-back, he's been absolutely fantastic. And I've seen him I've seen him live a couple of times this season, but uh, I was at both games at St. James's last week. Played centre-back on Wednesday against Crystal Palace in the Cup. and um, was brilliant. But on Saturday against Chelsea... He was the he was the best player on the pitch. Um, he was unbelievable. And then uh, later in the game, Botman went off with an injury and he moved to centre back. And he made a I don't know if you've seen it. It's been going around social media. Absolutely fantastic tackle. Um, I think it was on Kovacic, and he absolutely just decks him, and it's fucking great. So just just Chris left then, seeing as I've already so I can get the casting vote on this one, can't I? Because Trippy, yeah, my choice was already in. So I'll choose between your two. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Like like both of you have said about there not being any outstanding left backs. I think all of those left back options are players who can play in different positions. Because I've probably gone for Zinchenko, because um, I think he's a smart sign, and I know that we were linked to him as well. And I thought that was a really smart. Um, I'd I'd have loved it if we'd have signed him. Obviously, he's. I think he made the right choice. Yeah, versatile. Um, well. <laughs> I think I was just trying to trying to check it briefly then, but when I was looking at stuff earlier on, you'll probably know the answer off the top of your head, Dan. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I think has Dan Byrne played every minute of every Premier League game so far? Certainly has. 
Yeah, I thought that that's what I read. And I know Zinchenko had a little bit of a spell where he was either ill or injured and missed a few games. So based on that and to keep our hosts happy, I'll say Dan Byrne. So, so far, an all Newcastle slash Arsenal team. Interesting. Right, let's move into our midfield then. Let's start with our two centre mids then. Let's start with you, Joey. Honourable mention, I'm not putting him in. Honourable mention to, to uh, and I spoke about him last week briefly, uh, Harvey Elliott. I think he's been one of our good players this year. And, and again, it's kind of going back to what I was saying about Saliba, the fact that he's so young and he's been so influential on our team uh, this year has been really interesting. Um, he's not in. My first pick, I think, if either of you disagree with me, you both got it wrong, but it's uh, Mr. Bruyne's KDB. Yeah. Um, I think he's on nine assists already for the season. Nine assists in 14 games. He uses class. He's absolutely outstanding. I think he's worn the armband for City on a couple of times this year as well. Um, you just can't argue with the man's ability. Um, what what he, Some of the passes that he executes, other people wouldn't even see. Um, he's got uh, that, that outside of the left. Yeah, it's, it's just... Thing. That he does he's like, like curves it round the defence. Oh, mate. It's just a dream. <laughs> so, yeah, he's absolute shoo-in for centre midfield for me. Yeah, he's in mine as well, Chris. Yeah, he's in mine as well. And I'd also like, because I hated him when the City first signed him, but Rodri is a player who's really adapted to the Premier League well as well. Because when he first started, I just thought he was he was a calamity. And um, I think because of the price tag he came with, a load of pundits were were like showing examples of what he'd done. And I was like, it's no good. He's given the ball away all the time. But it's his, is it his third season at City now, Rodri? I think it's yeah. his third season. And um, he's finally looking like, you know, he's one of their first names down on the team sheet, isn't he? Interesting um, you were saying that about him giving the ball away. Because another stat while I was looking at my team of the season today, I'm pretty sure that he is, he's, he's in the top five, um, if, if passes made passes made successfully, and I think he's the, the top midfielder in terms of completed passes. No, no, like the stuff he does is, is short bits and pieces. But um, I think yeah, Van Dijk was above him, and then someone else as well. I think he was third, but yeah, he was the top midfielder in terms of passes completed. So, so is, is he your second pick, Rodri? Yeah, I yeah, I Rodri and uh, KDB because I think uh, you know De Bruyne is allowed to play off the off that solidity as well in midfield. So. Yeah, um, I, I, for my second pick, uh, this team is not going to win any Premier Leagues. Great team, but not going to win any Premier Leagues. I'm going James Madison in that second central midfield berth. Unbelievable this season. Um, the the fact that people were even questioning whether he was going to go away with England, I think is just like ridiculous. Seven goals, four assists this season so far. Absolutely brilliant stats. Um, for, for somebody that I would argue that... People, people, I know he, ha- he was good at the end of the last season, but it, it, he could have very easily become Deli Ali. Um, <laughs> I for- I forgot he he Deli Ali played for for Everton. He's not even getting mate. He's not even getting on the pitch for Besiktas at the yeah, minute. He's on loan, so, isn't he? Yeah, he's not even getting on the pitch for Besiktas. And um, so your your second centre mid, Joe. It's the, the the boy we spoke about earlier on the the my uh, my Rolls Royce of a centre midfielder is uh, Odegaard. Ah, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Captain, twenty three years old. Think cap, captain of the team, top of the Premier League, absolutely running the show, scoring goals, setting up goals, looking like a dream. Yeah, Odegaard for me, mate. Odegaard, Odegaard and KDB. You're not you're not 
breaking a better Premier League centre midfield partnership than that no. this year. And therefore, if you make any other decision apart from putting those two in, I'm probably going to leave the podcast now <laughs> and not come back. I'm, I'm happy to go with Odegaard. I'm happy to go with Odegaard. All that yeah, harsh, yeah. harsh on, on, on Madison. Harsh on Rodri as well, because he's been really good this season. All right, let's move to the right-hand side of our midfield. It's kind of like right wing, uh, right midfield. Um, and there's only one man for this berth, and it's the Paraguayan beauty that is Miguel Almiron. No, Absolutely. Not. No, what are you talking about? He's been fantastic this season. He has been good. He has been well, it's the past seven or eight games where he's really been good, isn't it? I mean, you know, the first the first half first quarter of the season, I wouldn't say so. But did yeah, all the dirty work, form, did all the donkey work. The form he's been in has been unreal. Yeah. Absolutely unreal. Another assist at the weekend as well. Mm. Uh Joy? Uh, Miguel Almiron. Yep, I had him in there. Oh. <laughs> I didn't know whether to, to, like I say, I picked a 4-3-3 and I didn't know whether to kind of move it around, but he, he's, I originally put him as one of my, my three up front, Yeah. but now you've mentioned kind of where he's been playing, yeah, Almiron coming in off that right-hand side. He's in, Chris. He's already got two out of three votes, mate. So this one from you, say, is insignificant. Go on, Chris. I've I'd I'd have gone for Saka, but um, no. Yeah, Saka's a great shout. He, he's but he's, been he's as good as that's okay. Before. That's okay. You put an armor on. He looks like um, you know, you, this might be before your time, Danny. But do you remember the uh, do you remember Stingray? <laughs> yeah, the 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 puppet show. He looks yeah. like the um the mad little critters that they that used to live under the sea in yeah. that. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so our left-hand side. Okay, so this was this wasn't even meant to be a punt. I was going to say, pardon this. This is my most left-field one. Uh, but on the left-hand side, slightly out of position, possibly, probably, but with the fluidity of football, I think that most people can do what they need to do. Uh, Alexis McAllister from Brighton. Yeah, from Brighton. I that think, is a fantastic shout, Joe. Yeah, the boy's got talent. He's in the Argentina squad for the World Cup. And he's in there on merit. Um, you know, we talk about Southgate and, well, England managers in general never picking from non-glamorous clubs, so to speak. And he's got into, I think following on from last week, we all agreed that we think Brazil are going to win the World Cup. But Argentina, obviously, are always in with a good shout. And Alexis McAllister has played his way into that squad. Uh, I'm actually going to go for another Brighton player on the left. Um, and that's uh, Leandro Trossard, um, who this season has been fantastic. And I would say has done something that he hasn't done in previous years, which is add goals to his game. Yeah. And uh, I, again, I think he's been fantastic. Uh, his form, it's quite easy for, you know, new managers come in, Deserbi's come in, and it's quite easy. And it, it, they've changed to a back five rather than like what Potter was playing, which was a bit more fluid than that. Um, and he's slotted in and he's been absolutely fantastic. Um, your left side of forward, Chris? Well, left side, so I I had put, well, this is it. It's because we're kind of blurring the lines with what formation we're playing. So I had, I did have Trossard in there, but it was more of a forward. Um, and the same with Foden. Both of them are kind of similar left-sided forward kind of things. But I'd, I'd want to have both of them in there because um, I think Foden's excellent. And, yeah. you know, he's... He's coming in with so many goals and assists this season as well. And it's kind of, I think, 
his season's been so good and only overshadowed by just how good Haaland's is, who's also in there for me, obviously. Yeah. I mean, um, do we even need to talk about Haaland? I don't think we need to. <laughs> no. but, it's, but I think that's that's overshadowed how good Foden is becoming. And yeah. He's still obviously so young. So, yeah, Foden is in there for me, but also Trossard. Um, yeah, just because we've blurred the lines with, you know... <laughs> What's a forward, what's a left winger, what's a left mid. Yeah, Trossard in at left and then Haaland up top. Uh, Joey, any second, well, a second striker or attacking player? Should we say it's kind, it can be, so if you're yeah. going for Foden, Chris, like a, maybe a player in behind, um, like a, either a shadow striker or attacking midfielder? Yeah, it was, it, this was kind of one of the other hard ones for me. And I think, as we've spoken about with the fluidity of, of formations and, and players as they are at the moment and, Harland was, of course, he was going to get picked in everyone's team so far. The, you know, the man's an absolute machine, um, <laughs> and he's a true striker. His knees, he's there down the middle. Um, you two are both going to laugh with this. I thought about Darwin Nunes. Um, people are still talking about him in terms of the Uruguayan Andy Carroll. He's got a direct contribution every 88 minutes, so he is directly assisting or scoring a goal in every game. Got five Premier League goals in ten Premier League games. It's not bad at all in your first season. One in two. If you if you maintained a one in two rate over over the course of the, the season, no no one's going to say anything. Um, I didn't pick him. Um, Ivan Tony was another one that that I considered. Um, your man Wilson. He has gone to the World Cup. I think he's played well this season again. But I've gone with Mo Salah because um, yeah. I think. He, he had a bit of a rough start, but he's scoring goals again, you know, and he, he, he's looking tricky. He's playing with confidence. He's, he's doing things. He's, he's influencing our team again. Um, yeah. And I think he's just got a bit of confidence. He's got a bit of his bounce back. Yeah. Six goals, six goals three assists for Salah this season. Which is, which is yeah, is still a really good stat. And, and absolutely no laughing at what you say about Nunes. I think Nunes has actually been quite good. I, I, it's just... You know, he obviously came with the price tag, and I think, yeah, you know, with players like that, those big marquee kind of signings, I think you expect them to just, you know, slot in right away and yeah. do like what Harland has done. You know, I, I, I think that, that was part of the problem as well. I think there was an unfair direct comparison between him and Harland, where no, no, hand, no, on, no, no, no. hand on heart, any Liverpool fan, any any football fan probably would have said he is not as good as Harland. He's nowhere near as good potentially, you know, you never know what's going to happen over the next few years. But I think that was a bit unfair as well, this direct comparison between the two. Um, that's it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's like, Haaland has set a new benchmark a benchmark now, hasn't he, for like what a new marquee signing should contribute, um, which is obviously like massively unrealistic. So I think, I think Nunes is definitely a player who will come good for sure. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I, I say I say come good. He he is good. Like he's good. Say, he'll he'll continue he's got, to develop. The numbers he's got, anybody else, uh, you know, you'd be loving it. It's he's just, good. yeah. So. He's uh, um, statistically in previous years done better in his second season at a club at Benfica. He was like that. And uh, was it, I can't remember who was that before that. Um, but again, second season, um, he was... Uh, very good second season. Um, my my suggestion for striker is maybe going to surprise you a little bit, but um, nine goals, one assist this year. I think in fifteen games. No, it's not Dan Burn, is it? 
It's Dambert. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, is Rodrigo from Leeds? Um, I think he's been very, very good um, in a very poor Leeds team. Um, obviously, Leeds they score lots of goals and they concede lots of goals, but he's been a kind of shining light in that team. Um, I think he's got maybe the second or third highest like goals per minute ratio in the league. So he is like my suggestion as a striker, but. Uh, if we're going for a player, and be, I, I feel remiss missing Foden out of this team because he's so good. I'd agree. <laughs> so I'd agree with that. I go with Chris's too. I go. I go as a, as a top two, so to speak. Harland with, with Foden playing with him. All right. Well, that does that. That does that. Our team of the season so Sorry. far. Give us Ram- a recap, Dan. What did we go for? Ramsdale in goal, Trippier at right back, Saliba and Gabriel in the middle with Dan Byrne at left back, De Bruyne and Odegaard in the middle as the two. Amaron and Trossard on either side with Foden behind Haaland. What a team. Yeah, that's pretty pretty good. Who's managing? Oh, that's a good shout. I know who Danny's going to say, isn't he? Look at his smug face smiling there. <laughs> I just think when you look at where we were a year ago to where we are now, it's chalk and cheese. And um, it's for me, it's got to be Eddie Howe. I think it's a, I think it's a, a straight or race between how and Arteta. Yeah, oh, yeah, Arteta. Arteta. But, uh, it's, it's Arteta for me. I think because he's um, you know he he had a tough he had a tough season last season as well, and so many people were thinking he was going to be gone by Christmas. He stuck to his guns, and I think Joe said on the last uh, the last podcast we did, he's very much looking like a manager who's learned under Guardiola for yeah. sure. I won't fight you. Go on, Joey. You've got the casting vote unless you go for Klopp. I think purely on the fact that he, he's built the young side and he's got them playing as they are. And we put, you know, several of their players into that team. You know, we put Ramsdale, the two centre-halves, and Odegaard in. It's Arteta's the manager of the season so far. Fair enough. I won't argue with you on that. I'll just write how when I do the graphic. <laughs> All right, let's move on then, because I want to talk about one more thing before we move on and talk about the World Cup a little bit. Uh, and that is this Ronaldo interview that's happened with um, uh, with Piers Morgan over the last um, week. It aired Wednesday and Thursday night. I think we should caveat this by saying that we haven't watched the full thing. We've just seen the quotes. For me, um, this is if, if I was a Manchester United supporter, I'd be absolutely fuming. Yeah, I'd be absolutely raging. fuming. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it it it's it's you know it's so narcissistic and psychopathic. It's unreal. And um, and w- what's mental is the lack of awareness that cause he is a Manchester United club legend. He's a Real Madrid club legend, and for and for all the right reasons. Um, that interview and what he's doing at the minute is is tarnishing his entire reputation as a Man United player. And um, mm-hmm. so in this country. It's just completely ruining, you know, what is, you look back at his, particularly his early days at Man United, it's like some of the, you know, one of the best players I've ever seen in the Premier League and um, that all of us have seen in the Premier League. And it's just completely tarnishing it. Yeah, it, it, it's just a bizarre set of of um, things to say. Um, he was, despite, you know, what everything went on in the summer in Ten Hag said he was part of his plans and stuff like that, I, 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 He's got one of the best agents in the world, Ronaldo, Ronaldo, and I'm sure he was probably pimped out to all the all the clubs that necessarily 
wanted to. He had this thing, didn't he, about staying in the Champions League because he wants to. He wants to hold that record, doesn't he? And therefore, the, I, I don't know. Reading between the lines, I know that Bayern Munich publicly came out and said they didn't want him. Um, you know, no, no, no one came in and said, "Yeah, we'll take him." You know, he spoke about it that offer that he came from from Saudi Arabia, which was just absolute lunatic money. But he didn't take it for footballing reasons. And my my conspiracy theory on the whole city transfer is, I don't think that was ever in place. I don't. I just said it was in the interview. Yeah, he did, but I, I don't see why Guardiola would want to sign him. He wouldn't fit no. into the way they're playing. I think it was probably engineered just to make Man United sign him again um, and, and come in and, and do that. Um, he's just, he's a bit, he, some of the notes mate, I made, he's just, yeah, he just almost, he's almost gone a bit, bit a bit mad. Um, and kind of like the fact that he, he contacted Piers Morgan, I know they've got history, he did interview when he was young and said, you know, I'm going to do, I want to do this interview. Yeah. He's just, I mean, I, I read one report today. It was reported by the Daily Mail, so it's highly likely to be absolute bullshit. But that United are considering sacking him for breach of contract. No, that's, um, come out, that's come out no, officially. Yeah, which, which yeah. is probably which is what he probably wants. Um, then he can. He's going to lose seventeen million in potential wages. Yeah, I know. He'd have to get a bloody good lawyer on it for the for the severance fact of it, yeah. But again, and then the only the only noise I've heard about where he might be going next in terms of um, actual talks was to go to Inter Miami, um, which he'll just be again. He'll be uh, just a big marketing payoff, isn't it? Yeah, it's a payoff. I mean, short trip, it was short trip down the M sixty two, like you know, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> All right then, so this last little bit, I mean, we did a bigger World Cup preview uh, on the pod last week, so if you want to have a listen to that, then you can go and listen to that. Uh, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so you can go back and subscribe uh, and make sure that you have a listen to that one from last week as well. Um, but um, the World Cup in Qatar kicks off on Sunday with, um, yeah, with a very underwhelming fixture. Um but England uh, kick off their campaign on Monday night, the uh, or Monday afternoon even. Their squad was announced last Thursday. Thoughts on that squad, Joey? Um, I was a bit disappointed, mate. I, there was there was things that I was very pleased about. Um, I think last week we were all in agreement that Madison should be in the squad, but it was very much a 50-50 whether he would be. Um, so I was pleased to see that he was in. Some strange decisions make, I think, you know, and, and we did touch on it and we won't revisit all grounds last week, but just to go back to Southgate and his and his lieutenants, you know, Calvin Phillips getting pay, picked, having played four games this year was a bit of a funny one for me. I thought there were better options than him. Um, and, and then just the, the defence, mate, you know, Maguire, Dyer, Stones, Cody, none of it excites me in... I don't know how he's going to set up. It was interesting on on Saturday, Conor Gallagher uh, playing against Newcastle, obviously. And um, when you're looking at the midfield, um, and you're you're and Gallagher's been picked, and Joe Willock plays him off the park, there's something wrong there. There's something wrong. I'm not saying that Willock is in contention to get picked, um, even though he's had a good season. Um, but I think the fact that Gallagher's going, um, I think if I was an English midfielder, I think I'd feel really disappointed to miss out because I think there's places up for grabs there. 
think uh, I think Gallagher's gotten as one of those kind of free hits that we spoke about last week. The fact there's three extra places isn't doing a thing. Therefore, it's like, yeah, stick him in. He can he can do a job. Yeah, Chris? it's hard with ones like that though because oh, uh, so to go back, I echo pretty much every one of Joe's thoughts there. But let's, I think um, they were absolutely spot on, and exactly what I'd say myself. Um, like Gallagher's one of them who he was so good for Palace last year. I know he hasn't really rekindled that, at, at, you know, back at Chelsea, but he's one of those players. I'm, I was really pleased to see him in the squad, actually, because there are certain players who just happen to play well for the national team as well. Gallagher by, might be one of them who you put him in and all of a sudden he he just slots into that system and plays really well. And so, yeah, fingers crossed that is the case. Like Joe said, just the defence is so worrying. I mean, I, I can't stand Harry Maguire. I think he's dreadful. I think it will be a. It will, he'll be starting obviously with Stones, Maguire. Mm-hmm. Stones is the best pick of them, but you know, as Joey said, it's like he's he's you know it was the same when he was at Everton. So prone to mistakes. Yeah. Um. He, he he's too calm on the ball. Um. And and it's like you know, there's times when you just got to you know, get it away and actually have a sense of urgency. And obviously we, we haven't been good going forward in the last couple of games. Our form running into it is bad. Bad, but, really bad, really bad. But, but then tournament football is totally different. We saw that with the Euros as well. Um, we played really well at the Euros. So you don't know with the player's mindset, they can they can play these games coming into the tournament, but then, you know, when you actually get the team there all together and it's that proper tournament mentality, they can all suddenly gel together and it'll be, you know, we'll actually play some good footy. We yeah. should be going, we should, should be going through with nine points. Yeah. Should be. I think the other thing you have to look at as well, you know, we, not only on this pod, but, you know, as football fans and as a nation, we we look at other, other countries' squads. We think, oh yeah, you know, they look good. And I think looking in, like other, other countries will look at England's squad and they'll look at it and kind of go, yeah. And one thing you have to remember is that you know, we, we've got Harry Kane. Now, Harry Kane, is, he's one of the world's best strikers and he's and he's in form. I know Conte said he, he was a bit tired, etc., etc. But we've got one of the best strikers in the world in form, leading our line. Uh, Alongside Foden. Take, who, who take positive in? from it. Then we've got the likes of Foden. We've got the likes mm-hmm. of, of uh, Saka. You know, people who can provide stuff for him. Gallagher, Madison. You know, we've got a decent level of providers. So... We might have to just make sure we score more goals and uh, oh, n- nearly did a Michael Owen then. We have to score more goals than we concede, then we'll win games. <laughs> <laughs> but but history tells us that that is not Southgate's game, and so it's going to be really interesting to see how he sets up and if he does go for that more attacking, uh, that more attacking formation. Nah, he'll, he'll, he'll play con- he'll play conservative. He'll play conservative. He always yeah, of course he will. Southgate. Of course he will. I think, he, I think he might end up just being almost like a five-five though. You know, with with three centre halves, two defensive midfielders, and then they sit one way, and everyone else goes the other way. I want to see him on footy manager, Joey. I want to see him on footy manager doing a five-five formation, rewriting formation, five-five. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. Um, Let's finish off then with our weekly uh, zero to hero. Last week, Joey won the zero. Eric Dyer got eighty-three percent of votes. I think even Chris voted for uh, Eric Dyer last week. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the Chris actually won the hero. Tony Adams with fifty percent right. of the vote. Hey, I voted for him. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to start this week with my hero. Now, an honourable mention has to go to, and Chris mentioned it earlier, the fan that threw the shirt back at Awobi. Absolutely fantastic shithousery. We love to see it. Um, but my winner this week is Ashton United. I don't know if you've seen this story, boys. <laughs> Ashton yeah. United uh, put a 28-day loan bid in for Erling Haaland to go and play for them. Um, while the World Cup was on. Um, and today, in fact, they um, put a tweet out this morning saying that they were announcing their number nine at 12 o'clock, their new number nine, and it was just some random uh, non-league <laughs> dude. But fantastic um, bit of business there for Aston United. So that Aston United are my hero. Not as exciting as yours just there, but obviously... Um... I, I, you had to go for because it was the last kick of the game, wasn't it? That uh, Garnacho lad who scored the um, final kick for United. Um, I haven't because uh, I when he popped up, you know, I don't follow United religiously. Um, I hadn't heard his name before. I had no idea who he was. Um, Sounds like something that you put on a meal. Garnacho, yeah, I know it does, doesn't it? Carpaccio is what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, like it was a really good move. It was a really well taken goal from a young lad um, in like the 97th minute or whatever it was. Uh, so he's my hero of the week. Yeah, fair play to him. One that Chris won't like, but he'll perfectly accept um, Gary O'Neill for me. Um, purely not just based on the last couple of results, everything that he's done whilst he's been in, in charge at Bournemouth. I think he deserves the hero shout with the fact that he may not be in charge by the time they come back after after the break. Um, I know they were linked with, with Bielsa. Um, I think O'Neill should be given the job, but it, it's looking unlikely that he, that he will. Um, so whilst he's at the helm, I think he deserves a hero shout. Fair enough. Uh, three really good shouts there, I think. Now, zero for this week. We're going to start with uh, Chris because he was he was so put out last week that he couldn't have Eric Dyer that I'm going to put him first this week. Go on, Chris. I was raging, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to have to... <laughs> I'm just going to have to put the whole fucking Everton team. Just Everton. <laughs> just put the crest up there. I love that last week you picked specifically a dresser gone again. This week you've just gone for... Yeah, just just a lot of them. A lot of them. Just stick them all up there. Like, fire them all. The whole club. The club itself. <laughs> just on one final little Everton topic is... The, um, whoever runs the social media for Everton, I feel for them because it's like social media. They've got to do Everton, you know, with the little, to find something positive. <laughs> you know, the little like arms, uh, like bicep emoji. You know, just like we go again, lads. You know, just constantly doing all this kind of stuff, <laughs> and just week in, week out, whoever's doing the social medias for Everton is just getting a tougher and tougher task. And also, it's just so funny reading the comments. So funny. <laughs> It's one of my favourite pastime is just reading the comments on on posts from football clubs that people don't obviously don't like. Um, go on your your zero this week. Well, the obvious one, but I don't think we should put him in because it, it's just too obvious. Will be Ronaldo, wouldn't it? I think all three of us could have chosen him quite easily. Um, so I'm, I'm going to stick on Chris's Everton theme. Um, uh, I'm going to put Fat Frank Lampard. Um, <laughs> not just like this week. I just think. Mate, and I know we've discussed this in person, he was the wrong appointment for the job. He's, I just don't think he's a very good manager. 
Um, he went. He had his. He had his season at Derby, where he got them into the playoffs. But that was exactly the same as I think Clement had done the year before. They finished in exactly the same position. They finished sixth. He got the Chelsea job completely by default because they had a transfer embargo. So they were never going to attract anyone of any great stature. The fans were a bit up in arms anyway. What should we do? Let's get a club legend in to, to appease the fans. He got that by default. He was doing shite. Got sacked. Manager came in, won the Champions League with the same players. And then he, not in so many words, he said he was too good for Norwich and basically turned them down and said, I don't want the job. Took the Everton job and I think his, his true colours as a manager are, are really showing through. I just don't think he's good enough, mate. And I think you should have gone balls out for Thomas Frank and I think you still should. I think that's who you should go for. But into yeah, I just think the way he, what he talks about after the game and how he talks about the, the fans and yeah, you know, the whole shirt throwing incident and stuff like that. He's just not got it for me, mate. Great player, absolutely outstanding player, incredible career, but as a manager, he's he's my zero. And I've also I've just checked and just out of interest, he's four to nine as the next manager to be sacked. He is by far and away the, the favourite for the next Premier League manager to leave. I, I I think you're maybe slightly too harsh on Lampard because I do think he 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 definitely has managerial credentials and he did keep us up and I think he has made some of the right routes of improving my game. Just stop oil kept you up, Chris. Just stop oil. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so I, I think you may be slightly too harsh on Lampard. Is he the right man for Everton? I like I said, I don't think anybody can be the right man for Everton at the minute. So we are a bit of a circus at the minute. So anyway, yeah, yeah. it's not a bad uh, shout, is it? My my zero this week um, is me, and I'll tell you for why. I'm voting for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've won this already. Um, the reason is that um, on fantasy football this week, I um, had an absolute travesty. I triple captained Harland. He got me three nice. points. Well, he would have been one point, triple captain, then three points. What a waste. And then also the rest of my team was an absolute disaster because my bench actually scored higher than seven of my other players combined. So... I've had an absolute nightmare there, lads. So my zero this week is me and my fantasy football team. Well, to stay cons- consistent, Danny, when you when you post all this on the socials, can you at least Photoshop an Everton shirt onto onto yourself? Absolutely not. That's so not. There is, so, so there is. So there is. I'm not that much of a loser. <laughs> <laughs> there's one more bit of business just to wrap up our prediction for uh, the England game on Monday England Iran I think it's a two o'clock kickoff uh, one o'clock kickoff go on Chris oh we, we should be smashing them we should be I, I think it's not going to be you know a 7 nil or anything 2-0 2-0 England Joey uh, I agree it, it, I would have almost used the same words as Chris um, I, I, international bashings don't seem to happen and this shouldn't happen at tournament level um, again I think we'll win and I think we'll win to nil uh, I'll go one more say three nil alright I'll go one more and I'll go four four nil I'll be happy uh, with any of them yeah are we going uh, to do Wales USA no we'll have a bit of Welsh interest and it's the same group we certainly will um, and I'm going to you can start them uh, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw I think uh, USA secretly have a good uh, have a good team, you know. 
They do, yeah. They're not too bad. Giovanni Reina in the midfield. It's a good player. I think I'd be going to, I think 2 1 US. Uh, same as you, Dan. 1 all. Yeah. And I think that's a good result for England as well. Because it is, like I said before, because I think Wales will go 1 all. Then they'll go into the game against Iran and they should beat them. Uh, if England then beat USA, Wales should come into our game needing the win, which should make at least for an interesting game. Um, open us up and we can go forward. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, go and follow us on Instagram and vote on Zero Hero. That'll be out yeah, over the weekend at some point um, for you to vote on our Instagram stories. Uh, follow us on Twitter as well, at JaffPod. Um, we will be back next week at some point. Uh, please subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that kind of thing. Uh, we will be back uh, reporting on the World Cup uh, over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be great. And in fact, the man who is not here, Josh Betley, has written a World Cup song and I'm going to put it at the end of this podcast. Um, I think it was for the Euros, actually, a couple of years ago. But um, you'll have heard a bit of it on last week's pod. But it's it'll be on the end of the podcast today. So stick around and listen to that. And you can go and listen to that on YouTube and stuff as well. But thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you in the middle of next week.